Well, what this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Matt Tenney. Matt, are you ready to do this? Let's go. Let's go. Matt is working to develop highly effective leaders who serve and inspire greatness in others. He is the author of Serve to Be Great and The Mindfulness Edge. He is a professional speaker and consultant. Matt, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, my personal life and my work, I think, are are deeply intertwined uh, because what I endeavor to do is inspire inspire the great, in, help people to inspire greatness in others to um, be people who are are finding hap, true happiness by being of service to others. And I try to apply that in, in my personal life as well as in my professional life. And I, I, kind of the why is, you know, I, I realized um, some years ago that if if we want to create a world in which People are going home happy every day. They're treating each other with kindness every day. Uh, it seems like the workplace has a lot to do with that. Right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I, this is kind of born out of my practice of mindfulness. And, and I, I trained as a monk for a while, where ever since I kind of took on the monastic ideal, my, my life aspiration is to create a world, do, do whatever I can to create a world where people are happier and they're more kind to each other. Um, and as I got into the kind of professional world, I realized that wow, if we can if we can help businesses do this, um, create workplace cultures where people are thriving, where they're flourishing as human beings, it's not only really good for business, it's really good for our planet. So my why is pretty simple. I envision a world where all organizations and the leaders in those organizations are making a positive impact consistently on both the well-being and the growth of their team members. I love it. You know. A lot of the time, I think that when I say, and it 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 it, it, it sounds kind of trite, that be the change that you want to see in the world. Um, but it's the truest thing. If we all just did what you described, the world would, in fact, be a far better place. <laughs> I I couldn't couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, it's it's one thing. You know, as I, I get invited to speak at conferences quite often as a keynote speaker, and it's one thing to get up and and say something on a stage, you know, and, and remind people of the importance of helping people to be great, helping them to be happy, great human beings who do great work and are thriving. It's another thing to treat every single person that you interact with along the way to the destination that you're serving, that to the event, you know, the people taking out the trash, the people waiting at your, uh, at your table, um, the bus boy or girl, to, to consistently treat those people um, as though they're the most important person you're going to interact with. To me, that's more important, actually, <laughs> because to, to me, if I get up on a stage and I and I inspire or do my best to inspire people to take really good care of their team members, but I treat one person in a way that doesn't show them deep dignity and respect, um, I feel like I failed. Now, I do fail sometimes. So, you know, I there, I. I can always get better, but I couldn't agree with you more. It's more important in my view to every day in our personal interactions with the people around us to always approach the interaction with what can I do to add value in this person's life? What can I do to help them just be a little bit happier or be a little bit more successful? Um, and as it, as it turns out, it's also very good for business, particularly sales and leadership. Yeah, certainly my perception is that many of us and myself included are on the razor's edge right now. You know, we all have, we're pulled in so many different directions and we're experiencing frustration by what we're seeing in the world, uh, one way or another. Um, 
and recognizing that other people are also going through their own private challenges and wars every day, the more that we can do what you've described, I, I think certainly the better. Did you get to the point in your monk training where you got to wear the robes? No, I never, I never <laughs> ordained. Um, I, I lived in kind of an extreme kind of personal monastery that I created my, for myself for a while. And then I, I went to train in a monastery for about um, three months and I was almost going to ordain for the rest of my life. Um, but I ended up deciding I could make more of an impact out here in the quote unquote real world, kind of being a, a monk and a monk amongst everybody else doing their thing, earning a job, having earning a living, having a family, that type of thing. Yeah. So working with organizations, um, because you could probably deliver your message to individuals. What, what, what is it about, about the, the companies that, that makes sense? Um, I'm not sure. Can you elaborate on that question a little bit? Well, I mean, you, I could, you, you probably could just be directing, um, here, here's how you could be a better leader in your life as an individual. Mm -hmm. Um, but the impact that you can have working with organizations and their leadership team from the CEO to probably the different levels of, of, of an organization. Why did you choose to, to, to go that way? Oh, just because of leverage and impact. You know, if I, if I work with one person at a time, um, from, from the grand scheme of things in the, in the, in the huge view, you know, kind of the spiritual view, so to speak, that's extremely important. Um, however, there's also, there's a lot of problems that we see in our world. And I think if we want to create change, um, kind of on a, the conventional level and a practical level, um, we, it's very important in my view to find what's the most leverage activities that we can engage in, where we can make the most impact with the least amount of, uh, of our time. Cause time is the, is really the only resource we have that has a, has a discrete limit on it, right? It's like mm -hmm. everything else you can create, you can create more money easily. You can create more friends. You can almost anything you can do, uh, time you can't. So it's just a simple matter of leverage. You know, if I can work, you know, with an organization that has five, 10,000 employees and help their leadership team develop habits that consistently drive high levels of engagement, um, and retention and performance, while at the same time making a positive impact on the well-being and the growth of those human beings, that's scalable, right? That that means there there could be five thousand people that are benefiting from the same amount of effort that I would put in to work with one or two individuals at a time. And if we're solving a painful problem for a business by helping them to reduce turnover, to increase employee engagement, to create a, a sustainable high-performance culture then it's scalable. People, you know, people are willing to invest in a solution like that. So that just means that we can create even more impact. I love it. So the numbers around engagement are pretty, are pretty awful. <laughs> right? There's so few of us that are really, really fully engaged in our work and many of us are, are disengaged in our work. What are some of these habits that, 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 that you're working to help instill? Well, the first, we, we created a, a kind of process. We've made a process out of how to lead in a way that is going to drive engagement and retention and, and sustainable high performance. Uh, and it's, it's simple. It's four steps. And the first step in this process is that we often forget what our job is as a leader. And, I, and I'm, this is regardless of necessarily whether you have a leadership title officially. But if you have a leadership title officially... 
we forget that our job is not to execute on tasks anymore. We are no longer individual contributors. Our primary role, if we take on a leadership position, is to inspire greatness in our teams. It's that simple. Now, I say that and we would say, well, duh, every, everybody knows that, right? Well, I don't know. You know. I think a lot of people, when they get promoted as junior people, they get promoted because they're really good at their jobs, right? And they get into a leadership role and they think, well, this is how I'm going to lead. I'm just going to be really good at my job. If people don't do their jobs well, I'll just jump in and help them. Uh, they've, they, they don't know or they haven't been trained to realize that, no, you don't have to do that anymore. You may have individual contributor tasks still on your to-do list, but your primary job is to, is to build a team of individuals who can be great by themselves and to work great as a team. Uh, it's a synergistic effect. You know, If you build this team that works together and does great things, that's how you're successful as a leader. So if we understand that, and everybody gets this, right? It's not, it's not rocket science, um, but we do forget. So either junior people may not know those of us who are in senior leadership positions, we often forget, right? Because as you said, we're all on the razor's edge. We've got tons of pressure to hit goals, hit numbers. And we're kind of wired to think that executing on tasks is the way out. And I'm not saying that executing on tasks isn't important, but what I often suggest to people is, look, just rewrite your job description as this first step. Your primary job, whatever is in your current job description as a leader, just print that up and write additional responsibilities at the top of it, all right? Your, your real job as a leader is simply this. My job is to inspire greatness in my team by serving as a coach who helps people to be happy, great human beings who do great work. And if you start with that fundamental principle, you know, it's kind of like the for engineers, I think, call it like first principles approach to things. If you start with this, if we agree on this first principle, then a process naturally flows from that. Well, how do you inspire greatness in people? Does, is that some lofty thing that only a natural born leader can do? No, there's a process to it. What's the first thing you would do if you know that your job is to inspire greatness in people? Well, you find out what do people need to be great? What do they need to thrive? Right. And what's getting in their way? So those are the first two steps, right? Is remind yourself what your job is. And that flows naturally into how do we, how do we figure out what people need to thrive and, and what's getting in their way? There's good news on that front. We've got decades of research telling us exactly what people need. <laughs> there are 14 universal needs that you don't have to go reinvent the wheel. These are things that we know people need, uh, and they're strongly correlated with engagement and retention. Th simple things like, do people have the tools to do their job? Do they have clear performance expectations? Do they feel appreciated? The most important one, by far, and Gallup's research demonstrates this clearly, they've written about it in many places, the strongest predictor of engagement and retention is, does the supervisor truly care about the team member, about that individual contributor? When the leader truly cares, that is the fundamental uh, approach to all of this. What a crazy disconnect that is, right? If Gallup's <laughs> number one thing is the person, your supervisor, your manager, does this person care about me and that we forget because it's superhuman that my job as a supervisor is to help this person have a great experience and 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 have a great life. Absolutely. And it, it's not that there's anything wrong with us. No. We've just been conditioned our whole lives to think that winning, hitting numbers, achieving goals is the most important thing. And we're con we're continually under pressure to, to do those things, right? And so it's it's very easy to forget. I mean, I've heard well-intentioned good leaders say things like, I have to take time away from my job to coach my team members. And I just think, no, mm -hmm. 
coaching team members is your job if you're a leader. But And these are people who do care. It's just that's how powerful this conditioning is. We subconsciously believe that our job is to execute things on our to-do list and hit numbers. And if that's what we believe, that's going to reflect in our behaviors and our habits. So I think that's why that's the first step is we've got to undo that conditioning, continually remind ourselves our primary job as leaders is to inspire greatness in our teams by serving as a coach. Then once you start identifying these universal needs, um, now you have to do is just figure out, well, how well are you meeting these needs? Get regular feedback from team members on, do you feel appreciated? Do you feel like I care about you? Uh, and this is where surveys can be very helpful, right? Where you get some, some, some type of anonymous feedback from team members on how well you're doing as a leader. Um, the problem is the way most surveys are done actually do more harm than good because we tend to do these really large annual surveys and you get all these things that you think you have to work on. And then it takes a long time to, to figure out a plan for, well, how are we going to address all these issues? It takes a long time to gather all the data and then come up with that plan. So there's this time gap where people are thinking, why did you waste my time with this big survey if you're not going to do anything about it? So what we recommend is you do very short surveys, just asking about 14 universal needs at a time. And then you need to have a training in place or a plan in place for how are you going to respond? How are you going to show your team members, hey, this is what I'm going to do to get better at meeting this need? Let's just take appreciation, for example. You know, Ideally, you should never send a survey out unless you already have a plan for how you're going to address it or a training. Better yet, if you're scaling this to an organization, this is what we do, is you have a five-minute training video that as soon as that manager gets their feedback, they get a quick five-minute training on, here's a simple new habit you can develop to more frequently show appreciation. So now, you know, a survey is only open for two days. Managers can watch this video in five minutes. It takes them five minutes to create a new habit. And then they email their team saying, hey, thank you for that feedback. Here's what I plan on doing better. Here's what I plan to continue to grow in this area. And all of a sudden, just that shows that you care about people, right? They feel heard. They feel they see that you're doing something. Research from Gallup has found that employee engagement is nearly three times higher in organizations where team members uh, respond with strongly agree to the following statement. My organization acts upon the results of surveys I complete. Just that will drive engagement and retention. That alone shows people that you care and builds trust. So even if your habit, new habit isn't perfect, but you're doing something, that's way more than what's happening in most cases. I'm sure that we've all experienced that. I, I you know, uh, and as I say that, perhaps somebody who's listening that's never been in a management kind of a role maybe hasn't but i know that i 100% have and when i ask for somebody's feedback and i don't do anything with it I'm like great thanks um what what a waste of time for everybody and that's going to lead to more frustration versus the simple action that you've just laid out has such a huge difference so super powerful Thank you. Yeah, I think I think that's really the key is this kind of virtuous cycle of employees giving feedback on how well we're meeting their needs as leaders. Then they feel heard, they get some type of response, hey, thank you for that feedback. Here's what we're going to do, and then they actually see something happening. Every time that little virtuous cycle happens, um I say little because it's not it's not a complex thing. It's simple to execute but it has huge impact. And every time that virtuous cycle happens, 
trust is building in the leadership team. Confidence grows in the leadership team and people feel like they're cared about. Um, and the most important thing is this is the, this is the best way to learn, right? And, you know, if you're trying to learn something new, let's just take, I was talking with somebody yesterday about swimming, for instance, you know, let's say that you want to learn how to swim. And I say, all right, George, here's what we're going to do. I want you to, um, I want you to put your face in the water, blow bubbles. I want you to relax. I want you to kick and I want you to start you know, going with a stroke, just like this is your first time in the pool, right? And I throw you in the deep end and I say, okay, go do it. I mean, you, you might drown, right? You're going to be freaking out. But what if I just said, hey, George, let's, uh, the first step to swimming is feeling comfortable in the water. So I want you to do is just come hang out with me in the short, in the shallow end. And what we're going to do is I just want you to put your face in the water and blow bubbles for five seconds and just relax. Just re just relax your body, blowing out bubbles for five seconds. That's the first step, right? So I just give you a little bit of information and then let you play with it for five or 10 minutes until you really feel comfortable with that. Then we do something else. And this is where uh, I think you can make a huge impact in terms of the effectiveness of training leaders is what we tend to do is we do a lot of information, a half day or a full day of training with very little follow-up. So it's now you've got all this information, but not a whole lot of plan for how you're going to turn information into behaviors and then into habits that stick. So what we recommend is instead of delivering a lot of information at once, deliver a little bit of information, just like, hey, put your face in the water and blow bubbles. Try that out for five or 10 minutes. Tell me, let me know how, how that feels. So same thing, like, hey, try this one new habit for showing appreciation more frequently. Five minutes of information, a super powerful habit that's highly, highly leveraged. You give people two weeks to play with that. And then you say, all right, here's, here's another training. Here's how to take that new habit of showing appreciation more frequently and make it more impactful. Why don't you go play with that for two weeks you know, and get feedback from your team and, and iterate and make it yours. And little by little, you develop, you, you take information at little chunks into behaviors that are repeatable and then become habits that stick. And that's where you get lasting transformation. I love it. That makes so much sense. Thought the experience of going to like a week-long conference and getting this massive binder just full of notes, but then taking that binder full of notes and putting it on a shelf and never looking at it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not to say that there's not value in those things, right? Sometimes sure. the thought you get at a conference or a keynote or a full day of training, just one thought can change everything. The problem is because we're all so busy, if we don't have a really structured way of taking that information and turning it into behaviors and then into ha habits, turning them into habits that stick, there's not as much value. So I think that's the key. If you are going to do a big you know, keynote or a full day of training, which there's, there can be lots of value there, also think about What's your follow-up plan? How are you going to take that information? And this is, I'm not talking about you as the listener necessarily, although you could certainly do that. I'm talking about the people who are putting on the training. Like if you're going to invest in a full day of training, you know, if you're going to hire someone to come in and do leadership training for a half day or full day, we'll say, what's our plan for, you know, every couple of weeks following up with this, giving them little bits of reminders to turn this information into, into behaviors and then into habits that stick. Got to make it real, Matt. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and for companies that are interested or, or individuals who are interested, how can they engage? Oh, easy. I mean, I'm pretty Googleable. Uh, MattTenney.com is the website. Uh, if, if, you, if you're a listener who is in an organization that likes the process that I laid out, we'll actually help you set that up internally for free. So we've built a system that has all of the surveys, all of the training videos already recorded. And we'll give you all the questions we ask. We'll give you the outlines of all of our videos so you can build this in-house. 
Um, if you want to do that, uh, I think we'll probably, we could probably put a link in the show notes for that, but it's matttenney.com forward slash engagement dash and dash retention and help. So just matttenney.com engagement and retention help. Um, and there's a free training there that kind of goes over the process and then an opportunity to get on a call and we'll help you figure out how to set it up um, internally in your own organization. Love it. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Matt your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to matttenney.com, M-A-T-T-T-E-N-N-E-Y.com and check out the great resources. We will link, um, put a link in the in the notes of the show for what Matt just described so it's easy to find and uh, take advantage of the great resources and the offer. Thanks again, Matt. Thank you, George. It was a pleasure. And until next time, remember... Do your part by doing your best.